0: this is chapter twelve of personal recollections of joan of arc this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by john greenman personal recollections of joan of arc by mark twain volume one book two chapter twelve joan puts heart in her army we were at blois three days oh that camp it is one of the treasures of my memory order there was no more order among those brigands than there is among the wolves and the hyenas they went roaring and drinking about, whooping, shouting, swearing, and entertaining themselves with all manner of rude and riotous horseplay and The place was full of loud and lewd women, and they were no whit behind the men for romps and noise and fantastics. It was in the midst of this wild mob that Noel and I had our first glimpse of La. Irre. He answered to our dearest dreams; he was of great size and of martial bearing. He was cased in mail from head to heel, with a bushel of swishing plumes on his helmet, and at his side the vast sword of the time. He was on his way to pay his respects in state to Joan, and as he passed through the camp he was restoring order and proclaiming that the maid had come, and he would have no such spectacle as this exposed to the head of the army. His way of creating order was his own, not borrowed. He did it with his great fists. As he moved along, swearing and admonishing, He let drive this way, that way, and the other, and wherever his blow landed, a man went down. "'Damn you!' he said, staggering and cursing around like this, and the commander-in-chief in in the camp, straighten up!' And he laid the man flat. What his idea of straightening up was, was his own secret. We followed the veteran to headquarters, listening, observing, admiring—yes, devouring, you may say— the pet hero of the boys of france from our cradles up to that happy day and their idol and ours i called to mind how joan had once rebuked the paladin there in the pastures of domremy for uttering lightly those mighty names la hire and the bastard of orleans and how she said that if she could but be permitted to stand afar off and let her eyes rest once upon those great men she would hold it a privilege they were to her and the other girls just what they were to the boys well here was one of them at last and what was his errand it was hard to realize and yet it was true he was coming to uncover his head before her and take her orders while he was quieting a considerable group of his brigands in his soothing way near headquarters we stepped on ahead and got a glimpse of joan's military family the great chiefs of the army for they had all arrived now there they were six officers of wide renown handsome men in beautiful armor but the lord high admiral of france was the handsomest of them all and had the most gallant bearing when laire entered one could see the surprise in his face at joan's beauty in extreme youth and one could see too by joan's glad smile that it had made her happy to get sight of this hero of her childhood at last Lair bowed low with his helmet in his gauntleted hand and made a bluff but handsome little speech with hardly an oath in it and one could see that those two took to each other on the spot the visit of ceremony was soon over and the others went away but lahir stayed and he and joan sat there and he sipped her wine and they talked and laughed together like old friends and presently she gave him some instructions in his quality as master of the camp which made his breath stand still For, to begin with, she said that all those loose women must pack out of the place at once, she wouldn't allow one of them to remain. Next, the rough carousing must stop, drinking must be brought within proper and strictly defined limits, and discipline must take the place of disorder. And finally she climaxed the list of surprises with this, which nearly lifted him out of his armor every man who joins my standard must confess before the priest and absolve himself from sin and all accepted recruits must be present at divine service twice a day lair could not say a word for a good part of a minute then he said in deep dejection oh sweet child they were littered in hell these poor darlings of mine attend mass why dear heart they'll see us both damned first, And he went on, pouring out a most pathetic stream of arguments and blasphemy, which broke Joan all up and made her laugh, as she had not laughed since she played in Domremy Pastures. It was good to hear. But she stuck to her point. So the soldier yielded, and said all right, if such were the orders he must obey, and would do the best that was in him, then he refreshed himself with a lurid explosion of oaths and said that if any man in the camp refused to renounce sin and lead a pious life he would knock his head off that started joan off again she was really having a good time you see but she would not consent to that form of conversions she said they must be voluntary Hire said that that was all right he wasn't going to kill the voluntary ones but only the others no matter none of them must be killed joan couldn't have it she said that to give a man a chance to volunteer on pain of death if he didn't left him more or less trammelled, and she wanted him to be entirely free so the soldier sighed and said he would advertise the mass but said he doubted if there was a man in camp that was any more likely to go to it than he was himself then there was another surprise for him for jones said but dear man you are going i impossible oh uh, this is lunacy Oh, no, it isn't. You are going to the service twice a day. Oh, am I dreaming? Am I drunk, or is my hearing playing me false? Why I would rather go to never mind where in the morning you are going to begin, and after that it will come easy now. Don't look downhearted like that. soon. you won't mind it. lahir tried to cheer up, but he was not able to do it. He sighed like a zephyr and presently said, "Well." "'I'll do it for you. But before I would do it for another, I swear I—' "'But don't swear. Break it off.' "'Break it off? It is impossible. I beg you uh, to—to—why—' "'Oh, my general, it, it is my native speech!' He begged so hard for Grace for his impediment that Joan left him one fragment of it. She said he might swear by his baton, the symbol of his generalship he promised that he would swear only by his baton when in her presence and would try to modify himself elsewhere but doubted he could manage it now that it was so old and stubborn a habit and such a solace and support to his declining years that tough old lion went away from there a good deal tamed and civilized not to say softened and sweetened for perhaps those expressions would hardly fit him Noel and I believed that, when he was away from Joan's influence, his old aversions would come up so strong in him that he could hardly master them, and so wouldn't go to mass. But we got up early in the morning to see. Satan was converted, you see. Well, the rest followed. Joan rode up and down that camp, and wherever that fair young form appeared in its shining armor, with that sweet face to grace the vision and perfect it— The rude host seemed to think they saw the god of war in person, descended out of the clouds, and first they wondered, then they worshipped. After that she could do with them what she would. In three days it was a clean camp and orderly, and those barbarians were herding to divine service twice a day like good children. The women were gone. Lahir was stunned by these marvels. He could not understand them. He went outside the camp when he wanted to swear he was that sort of a man sinful by nature and habit but full of superstitious respect for holy places the enthusiasm of the reformed army for joan its devotion to her and the hot desire she had aroused in it to be led against the enemy exceeded any manifestations of this sort which la had ever seen before in his long career his admiration of it all and his wonder over the mystery and miracle of it were beyond his power to put into words. He had held this army cheap before, but his pride and confidence in it knew no limits now. He said, Two or three days ago it was afraid of a hen roost. One could storm the gates of hell with it now. Joan and he were inseparable, and a quaint and pleasant contrast they made. He was so big, she so little. He was so gray and so far along in his pilgrimage of life, she so youthful. His face was so bronzed and scarred, hers so fair and pink, so fresh and smooth. She was so gracious, and he so stern. She was so pure, so innocent, he such a cyclopedia of sin. In her eye was stored all charity and compassion, in his lightnings. When her glance fell upon you it seemed to bring benediction and the peace of God, but with his it was different, generally they rode through the camp a dozen times a day visiting every corner of it observing inspecting perfecting and wherever they appeared the enthusiasm broke forth they rode side by side he a great figure of brawn and muscle she a little masterwork of roundness and grace he a fortress of rusty iron she a shining statuette of silver and when the reformed raiders and bandits caught sight of them they spoke out with affection and welcome in their voices and said there they come satan and the page of christ all the three days that we were in bois joan worked earnestly and tirelessly to bring La laire to god to rescue him from the bondage of sin to breathe into his stormy heart the serenity and peace of religion she urged she begged she implored him to pray He stood out, three days of our stay, begging about, piteously, to be let off, to be let off from just that one thing, that impossible thing. He would do anything else, anything, command, and he would obey. He would go through the fire for her, if she said the word. But spare him this, only this, for he couldn't pray, had never prayed. He was ignorant of how to frame a prayer. He had no words to put it in. And yet, can any believe it? She carried even that point. She won that incredible victory. She made Lair pray. It shows, I think, that nothing was impossible to Joan of Arc. Yes, he stood there before her and put up his mailed hands and made a prayer. And it was not borrowed, but was his very own. He had none to help him frame it. He made it out of his own head, saying, Fair Sir God, I pray you to do by Lair, as he would do by you, if you were Laire and he were God. Footnote number one. This prayer has been stolen many times and by many nations in the past 460 years, but it originated with Laire, and the fact is of official record in the National Archives of France. We have the authority of Michelet for this. Translator. End of footnote number one. Then he put on his helmet and marched out of Joan's tent, as satisfied with himself as any one might be who had arranged a perplexed and difficult business, to the content and admiration of all the parties concerned in the matter. If I had known that he had been praying, I could have understood why he was feeling so superior, but, of course, I could not know that i was coming to the tent at that moment and saw him come out and saw him march away in that large fashion and indeed it was fine and beautiful to see but when i got to the tent door i stopped and stepped back grieved and shocked for i heard joan crying as i mistakenly thought crying as if she could not contain nor endure the anguish of her soul crying as if she would die but it was not so she was laughing laughing at laire's prayer It was not until six and thirty years afterward that I found that out, and then—oh, then I only cried when that picture of young carefree mirth rose before me out of the blur and mists of that long-vanished time, for there had come a day between when God's good gift of laughter had gone out from me to come again no more in this life. End of chapter 12